increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million. And I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Hey, everybody. Bill Faith and Tenny Bedwell. Welcome back to STR Anomics. That's what happens when you have two podcasts, Tenny. You fucked it up. That is exactly, I don't even have two podcasts, and that's how I'd start out. Be like, what one's the name of our podcast again? So this is my last intro. From now on, you're doing the intros. I can't screw it up. Welcome to STR Anomics, everybody. Interesting topic that Tenny and I are going to be discussing today. We're going to be discussing interest rates and how is that affecting the the economics of making investments today? Tenny, I'm just going to lead off and then I'm going to kind of let you take over from the data side. And this is something we'll be talking about later on, on Thursday in a couple of days on our mastermind call. So a lot of you know that uh, one of my mastermind members, John Hodge and I are, are building a, a, I don't want, I can't call it a fund, a syndication, right in Capital Group. And we had a property in North Carolina that we were working on. Unfortunately, we'd been working on this through two rate hikes by the Fed, two of them. And when we started, the banking was at 4.75%. As of Friday, it was at seven and a quarter. Curious. Is this for commercial, right? Just it to- is for commercial. Now, 4.75 up to seven and a quarter. I'm just going to give you the cash on cash numbers, 48% down to 18.7%. Forty. I mean, that we're talking a thirty percent drop in cash on cash. Now, if we could extend from a twenty-year term to a twenty-five-year term, that would be you know amenable. That probably bring us up to about twenty-three percent. But because we will not even consider an investment, even though this is you know a, a would be a boutique motel and it's multifamily, we can add a lot of ARV. It just becomes too risky for us. Right. And if anybody's ever invested into multifamily apartments or, you know, hotels or anything like that, that's a lot longer process than your typical 30 or 45 day close on a single family home. So we backed out of the deal mm-hmm. just because, I mean, we can't make the numbers work to be secure for us and our investors, you know, moving forward. I mean, you know me, I want to do 30% cash on cash. If I can't do, you know, in this type of a deal, at least 200 net you know, and be at 30, then I won't go below 30% cash on cash. So we backed out of the deal. And I think this is going to be a trend, not just for us, but we all heard what the Fed said last week, right? We got potentially three more, three quarter hikes coming. But the big thing is they said they're not lowering rates till 2024. So it wasn't just about the cash on cash dwindling. If anybody's investing in the ARB and multifamily, you know, the deal is, is reposition. So we won't even have the opportunity potentially to reposition for probably at least 36 months and possibly even 48. That's really what soured the deal. 
So a lot of you that are looking to invest now and you're like, okay, I'm going to wait and I'm going to cash out refi to buy another property. you got another thing coming based on what the Fed said last week. That 24-month waiting period is really the killer. What do you, what do you say about that, Kenny? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> it's like kind of where to start. It changes the approach to finding. Once again, I always come back to that because that's like what I do. But you know, how do you find deals? What's your strategy when rates change? Yeah, I mean, I think gone are the days where you can just, like you said, purchase a property, you know, ride the appreciation after a year, refinance, go get another property and level right. up. Especially a turnkey property, you know, like I, I really feel like you have to find almost a sweetheart deal in order to pull that, which is, you know, borderline impossible. But I'm not going to say it is impossible. I'm going to say it's very, very, very difficult to do that. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Go ahead. Because I'm really good at doing that. Why would anybody buy turnkey, Kenny? I mean, everybody comes to me and like people that hire me to find them properties and even people in Bill and Kenny's hot pants. Like, hey, we want turnkey. Yeah. We're going to drastically freaking overpay for that. So why? And I, I don't understand that mindset. I guess it's the aversion to having to do renovation or for design. Yes, that's part of it. I mean, it's not just so there's not like, uh, you know, I, I, I think we got to we got to clear up a little bit that it's not just like there's turnkey and then there's like rehab. There's definitely some middle ground. There's like different options out there. Correct. So, you know, in, in your approach. And, and once again, we, we just had several podcasts we just went over of different ways to find. And none of those ways were specifically turnkey or were specifically rehab. I was thinking about one of the episodes we could talk about is burring and how to find, when I say burr, so that's buy, uh, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. I always perfect love it too. Just it's, to get it's like, yeah, I'd search more hours there. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, like, hey, let me call TJ real quick. What order is that? <laughs> yeah. So like there's, there's a strategy to doing that, but it's difficult. It takes time. And so it's going back to your question of why people do that is because STRs are turning, buying an STR, doing STRs is becoming a fad. So I think I put this out in another podcast again, uh, you know, not to repeat, but to repeat, because I think it's a staggering number. The average number of vacation rentals increased across the entire nation by 35% this year, which is huge. You know, and it's only getting more and more and more. That were just the begin, you know, the first eight months of 2022. So, you know, it, it's become almost this, you know, everybody wants to get in. They heard about the, you know, the, you know, how much money we made 2021 and, you know, all the Smokies and everywhere that did well. I mean, really anywhere. So everybody's trying to get in. Yep. And, you know, they're all wanting to chase what people were doing before. Can't do that. You, you got to change it up. You got to, you got to look. And if you're, if you're wanting turnkey, you've really got to think outside of the box. So we talked about the regulation strategy. Uh, there one, another episode I have in my is talking about different property types and how to get into STR, you know, not, not just doing a single family home, but not, and not condos, not <laughs> townhomes, but like unique property. It's like a four letter word. Don't mention condoms on this spot. Yeah. Don't mention condoms. <laughs> yeah. There we go. But, you know, searching looking different ways to to get that. But if you're looking for the same returns for the single family home that's turnkey in some popular market, it just got even harder because of the interest rates. So I, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to change your standards from 30% to 20 or even 15% cash on cash return if that's what you're 
No, but I mean, look, I, I'm a huge, you know, 30% cash on cash, you know, don't settle for less. That was one on our Bill and Kenny's hot picks, you know, uh, wristbands we gave away at the conference. But sometimes we've got to compromise, just all compromise too much. You know, I, I think one of the things that becomes really important that people don't plan on is right now, and it's never happened in our world before. So how could somebody plan on it? But it's like three consecutive months that the Fed has raised rates and they're going to do it for another three consecutive months, right? So you need to plan. If you're going to move right now and you're going to finance, you need to do it really freaking quickly, right? And try to get it done before the next rate increase. Because potentially on a commercial loan, you could lock in six and a half maybe on a single family held with a prime rate. If everything, if your package is great, your PFS is great, your forecasting is great. But, you know, then the problem is, is about halfway through, not even halfway through right now. I mean, if you talk to Chris Ledwidge or Apollo Bank or whatever it is, they're already baking in the next rate hike into rates now, right? So it's like almost by the time it happens, you're moving into the next one after that. So speed of timing to close is something that's really important. So the, the, like the deal I'm talking about in North Carolina, not only had we gone through two rate hikes, but it would be one and possibly a second one before we would even close on that property, that's what put it completely out of reach, you know, for us. But that's one bank or one area. Hot Springs, Arkansas, the bank whisperer, you know, he's got, he's got us locked in at prime. Like if we can close before the November rate hike, we're staying at 625. If we go past that, then we're probably going to jump to seven. So the timing of close becomes just as strategic. So you got to identify the market. How long does it typically take to close? You got to have your seller's agent, a buyer's agent, you know, on point. You need to be really, really strongly pre-qualified to where you can go, go, go and like order appraisal the day after you, you know, you put the property under contract and you need to make sure that the seller's ready to go as well. It's, if you want to try to stay ahead of the interest rate heights, you got to have all your shit together right now. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina. My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest, and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars and he has absolutely crushed it for me. Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. So I want to ask you a question because this popped in my brain and I've been talking to a few folks. This is what I get all the time. Hey, Kenny, the prices are really, really high right now. You know, I think that the SCR market's going to take a dip this fall, which we are already seeing that. Meaning, but, meaning equity or meaning rental income? Rental income. So you're going to have sellers, sellers, 
you know, or you're going to have a lot of, it's going to turn into a seller's market, essentially is what they're saying, or they, they're forecasting. So, hey, it's going to be a seller's market. People are going to sell. Uh, should I wait to purchase? Or because the interest rates, you know, should I purchase now? Like, what's what's the play here? So, I mean, as with everything else we discussed, a lot of it has to do with how much cash do you, what, what's your net worth? How much cash do you have behind that? Your goals, your situation, everything, right? So I believe you should not buy a property today unless you at least have 12 months of carry costs, like in liquidity to be able to cover that. Because I think we could go a long time. I think rents could topple 25 to 35%. I also believe that you should never invest, you know, from a cash outlay more than 25% of your total network liquidity, right? So let's be concerned. I have a lot of people that say, hey, I've got $500,000 to my name and I want to spend 400000 to buy $2 million properties. That's fucking insane to me. I'm very, a lot of people might think that because I'm loud and I talk fast and I move quickly that I'm just like overly aggressive. You know me well enough to know that I get my shit together. I run my numbers and I'm actually very conservative when I make investments. I have not made an investment. I'm not putting a property under contract since late March of this year. Uh, it's the longest I've ever gone since I've, so it's my second year into this because it took me two years to buy property number two. It was like grew out of my profit, right? And I plan on buying another property because what you said, I've been saying, and I believe that in my heart, that there's going to be some significant fire sales, specifically on larger properties that wealthy people invested into that are professionals, attorneys, lawyers, dentists, doctors, that type of stuff that have either used VAs to manage their properties and they're completely hands off or have used property management or use co-hosting. And they probably put 20% down in this class. As soon as their equity gets to that break-even delta, they're going to list. Then the property is going to sit for 45 days, right? So one of the biggest things that I used to do is I used to look at properties when they would pop up every single day on Realtor.com and Zillow. Now I log in and I sort, I, I'm a, I like the user interface to Zillow better. So I try to stick to Zillow on my, on my iPhone. Now I go and I look at what's age to 60 days, what's age to 90 days, right? And I, and I, it's not like the, the, the sweet deals are flying off the rack in three days anymore, right? So they're sitting and they're aging. The more that a property ages, the more I get interested. So you remember the, the eight bedroom uh, duplex in Gulf Shores when we were in Miami the last couple of weeks. And I was looking at that ahead of time. One of our mastermind members asked me coming out of the retreat. Uh, if I was still interested in it. And I said, look, you shouldn't be. And I'm passing on it because the numbers don't work. This was before the rate hike last week. That property's aged to about 40, probably 50 or 60 days now. You know, if she doesn't buy it, I mean, if that thing's sitting there in December and it was listed, I think for 1895, I have a standing offer at 16, or I did have a standing offer. I rescinded it right after we'd left Miami before we went back to the retreat. Because I think I might be able to pick that thing up for one four to one five if it continues to age, right? So I think the aging of how long properties really benefit us as a buyer. And specifically when rents slow down, that's going to make it even easier for us to be able to identify and pick those properties up. So look, even Gulf Shores is slower than I can remember it going back to 2000, even 16, 17, 18 you know, before pandemic days. I wish I was smart enough back then to really keep track of all of my rental income data. You know, we do our benchmarks year after year after year. And I didn't start doing it till 19. But what I can tell you is I already see a little bit of that panic. 
that's happening. And it's happening, it's happening in Blue Ridge right now, basically the North Georgia mountains. Um, it's happening in the beach communities. Uh, it's going to happen in Gatlinburg and, and the Smokies. It's going to happen everywhere, right? So I think sit back with a nice glass of Italian. Not uh, Brunello. Not Central New York. No, not, so not, not Watkins Glen. <laughs> um, and Going to yes, That's the one here. I don't well, I typically keep two to $300,000 in my investment account. And I think I've said this as well on a previous podcast. I'm just under a million. Like I just looked it up today. $987,000 in cash. And I'm, I'm still, I, I'm still forecasting to net about $37,000 off of my own portfolio in September. And I will add a hundred percent of that to my investment account. So that means I'll have over a million dollars in cash to invest. So that used to be a million dollars should get me 5 million at 20% down. I'm probably a 30% down guy today. And I know that may sound freaking ridiculous to a lot of you out there that are leveraged to the health that what Kenny said earlier, you would buy and put 20% down and then you cash out refi to 85% LTV and then you rinse and you repeat and you rinse and you repeat. And that's cool, but that's not the way that I roll. I want to have equity built up. I'm probably older than you. I might have less or more money than you. What I can say is I'm very conservative. I've got about 33% debt on my $13 million portfolio right now. I don't want seven or $8 million worth of debt. I don't want 10 million. Even if I could grow it to 20 million in equity and go from 800,000 in cash flow to 1.4, I just don't want that stress in my life, right? I'm much older than Kenny is. Kenny may be willing to, I know Kenny's conservative like I am, so he wouldn't do that either, right? But maybe once or twice. So my point is, is I think it's time to be patient. I do believe the best deals are going to hit the market. I think that there's a huge milestone coming and it's, you know, it's going to be the election the first week of November. And I think we'll really see this stuff shake out around Christmas. It's going to take four, five, six weeks. You know, I don't believe the Fed will do a major rate hike right before Christmas in December. You know, I think they might increase in October and they're not going to do it in October. I think November, we could see a full point. And I think we get, I think we could see a, a pullback to a half a point in December, just because of Christmas. People freaking freak out. If the, but I think I would be willing to bet, I'm not a betting man any longer, significant, significant investment that we will see a full hundred points in November after the election is done. And I think that we're going to see a half in December. And I think we're going to see inflation skyrocket going into uh, January. And one of the telltale signs is going to be what happens to the market in the last two weeks. Usually the market goes up significantly after Christmas. How we roll into 2023 is going to be a huge indicator. I think specifically what that first quarter is going to look like as we move into 2023 and kind of what our outlook can be for the rest of that year. So the question comes from that, if that's the case, so if I'm, you know, I'm sitting on cash, I'm ready to buy, maybe I want to wait, you know, I'm okay. Like I understand interest rates are rising, but I don't need to purchase right away. I'm wait, I'm looking for that sweetheart deal in one of these popular markets. So 20, the first two weeks of 2023 come around, like you're saying, and it's not looking good. Do I wait longer or do I start looking then? What do I do at that point? So here's what I'd tell you. It doesn't hurt you to continue to wait. It does hurt you if you make a bad investment, right? So, right. yeah, I mean, it, you're right. Like, it does it, hurt you. Here's, the qual- here's the qualifier. It all has to do with how much cash you have. 
right? So what happens if you have a life? What happens if you use 75% of your tax? Doesn't matter if it's 50 grand or 500,000, and then you or your spouse lose your job or your your business outside of STR takes a 30% hit, right? So the, the thing that I love about what's happening right now for the smart people is we all have the warning signs of what's coming. We're really in a recession now, right? I don't think it's coming. I think we're in it and it's going to get worse, right? I think we've been in a recession since March of this year. We did, we had zero warning for COVID, zero, right? We had zero warning for the 2008 crash when Lehman, you know, when Bear Stearns collapsed in September of 2008. We have had six months of warning to this point. It's our own fault if we don't plan accordingly, right? So I think there's a big difference with somebody with a $20 million net worth or a $10 million net worth in what they do. I think there's a huge difference. But the bigger difference is somebody with 5 million versus a million and somebody with a million versus like 300,000, right? The lower our net worth gets, the riskier the play is going to be. So I think it all comes down to really the fundamentals that you and I talk about in investing in economics uh, on this podcast is be diligent with the research and the data uh, that you're running and your performance, because the numbers tell a story, right? And if you look at, just track a property right now and watch the numbers go down, meaning on profit as interest rates climb, you can run these models on your own. So I'm already running models, uh, making assumptions what the rate increase is going to be and what, and then I add the delta of the declining, you know, rental income as well. So I look at October. October in my portfolio, outside of like four or five properties that have been stalwarts, you know, since pre-COVID, man, like some of the new properties I bought this year, October's, I'm going to go for like 37,000 net this month to maybe like eight to 10. That's really close to break even for me. Right. And I mean, you know how proud I am that I've never had to make a mortgage payment from day one. That could change yeah. in October and November. That's why I'm forwarding cash. Now, I know that if I have a million dollars and we're at a 9% interest rate, I'm losing a shit ton of money based on inflation, right? But if I can hold on to that and it extends my runway for my other businesses, for my STR portfolio, and I can sleep better at night, and most importantly, my wife doesn't worry about it, I'm okay with that, right? So I think a lot of it just has to do with how we how we want to position everything in our life. It's not just short-term rental investments. Yep. I think it's equally important for someone listening. So yes, I think, you know, harder times are on the way for short-term rental owners, investors trying to get to the game. So I don't want to make it seem like we're scaring you away from investing in short-term rentals. But what we're trying to get at is that you need to educate yourself you need to go out and do the research and take the time, dig into the data and truly study these markets. Uh, when I was at Citibank, we, we, I worked in the equities market and we were looking at these Fortune 500 companies and trying to make a call on, you know, whether you should buy or sell or, you know, what the revenue was going to look like, their projections and things. And there's a process to doing that. There, there's a, you know... I mean, hours and hours and hours are spent in, you know, understanding, uh, you know, the difference between, um, let me think of some of the ones we were, you know, like we were, we were looking at like if you were in the, uh, the automobile industry, you know, we're looking at cars.com versus Carvana, you know, their sales month over month and like how with their seasonality and different things. And, you know, the, the guys would make a call until the end of the quarter of whether it's going to go up, go down based on the data and what we're tracking. But 
there's a whole team behind that, gathering that information and analyzing it, putting it to models. And that's what real investors, you know, in, in, in the stock market are doing. Short-term rentals have been so new as, as the newest, you know, asset class that hasn't been officially named yet as an asset class, but it will. And I believe in the next five years, maybe even three years, that people don't understand, you know, how to truly invest properly because it's really been, I'm going to cover my eyes, throw a dart on the board and, oh, look, I made some money. That's just not going to happen anymore. Uh, In my opinion, we need to learn from true professional real estate investors, long-term rentals included in that. And also, what are the guys on Wall Street doing? How are they making their decisions and study their methods and things and draw from that. And, and it really goes back to understanding the data and using models and different things. But we need to start thinking like that. There aren't a lot of people that are doing that. So, and the, and the people who aren't doing that are going to get a lot of trouble. They try to make some deals coming up. I agree with you 100%. That's an awesome, awesome share. Um, <laughs> and the little throwback to Citibank in there to give a little <laughs> Yeah. I, I just, I was thinking about it recently and I was like, you know what? Like, like people need to start treating short-term rental investments like a, a true investor, how investors are, are buying this information. I mean, we sold that to people. I mean, they're on these calls, you know, and they're trying to, hey, what's it, what's going to happen? Tell me what's going to happen, you know, based on the data. They're looking at the data, you know, we have the bear in the full and, you know, they're like looking at that. And you know, a lot of, a lot of banks do that, but they're, and then they go to, they go to Chase, they go to uh, uh, JP Morgan, and they ask the same questions from the same companies. So, I mean, the, the, and those are the smart investor or the smarter investors, I should say, on Wall Street for looking for, you know, trying to understand and research companies. So anyway, we need to start understanding their methods to, and then matching that in our own strategies with short-term rentals. I, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So. <laughs> oh, I, I, I agree 100%, and there's nothing else to add. You know, to be honest with you, I think you, you summed it up absolutely perfectly. Yeah. I mean, pers- I'll add this. Personally, I, I've had a lot of people recently, hey, Kenny, where are you looking to invest next? And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not really looking like for me personally right now. I'm, I'm going to wait and see mode because I do believe the election things might get a little crazier afterwards. And I want to see what, you know, what what happens at the beginning of the year. I really want to see how that, that turns things. And so obviously my strategy, I'm not looking to buy a property for tax purposes right now. I'm not looking to, um, you know, get in and refinance or do a fur. Um, I don't want to deal with that. So that's personally me. So I'm not discouraging anyone else from, from looking right now, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm physically not looking anymore because, um, and I haven't been looking for over a month now because it's just not, something that I, I just, I'm a little bit worried about it. And I'm also awarding some cash too. So. Yeah, that's all sound advice. Um, and I think we'll continue to kind of touch on this topic as we navigate and move through these, these uncharted waters. You know, I just want to reiterate what Kenny said. I mean, I'm in the exact same boat uh, as Kenny. Be cautious, do your due diligence. This is not doom and gloom. If you, if you operate efficiently and correctly, and pay attention to the data, you'll be able to still make sound investments. You just got to understand we're in this for the long game. You can't be looking at six month returns or even 12 month returns. That means you got to have the carry cost to be able to cover. If you do that, you'll be a okay. And with that, thank you for joining us on SDRnomics. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you for 
learning all the good shit at Citibank before you started SDR Insights. <laughs> yeah. Thanks just got sober. I feel like it just got dark real quick. I need right. to like wait, turn down my light. Well, see you guys on the next episode. Happy hosting you. Yeah. Right. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.